Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, Sports Talk with Broads. Here's Hunter Brody. What is going on, everyone? Welcome on into Sports Talk with Broads. I am sure that Nick Sirianni was at the top of your list, right? Wow, shocking for sure, considering I thought Josh McDaniels was running away with it. And you kept hearing, though, that they were hiring, or excuse me, not hiring, but interviewing Kellen Moore and this guy and that guy. And it's like, why are they continuing to just pile all of these randoms into these interviews? What are they going to get accomplished? So when you heard the name Nick Sirianni, let's be realistic. You just put him in the bulk with the rest of the guys that seriously had no chance. But apparently they were wowed. Unless they were just thrilled that they found someone that they could possibly sell to Carson Wentz. And oh, by the way, they can keep their power at the top of the food chain here with Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman because it's no secret. They did not want to hand over the keys to anybody else. They didn't want to allow whoever the new hire would be to make all of these moves. No matter what they tell you or what they try and sell to the media as the next few days play out and whenever the press conference comes about, he is not hiring who he wants to. This is still a Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Laurie show. Maybe John Dorsey's in the mix a bit more with some decisions, but in terms of the head coach having all of this say, I think they got what they wanted with a young guy that doesn't have a big resume, so he can't force his own hand and demand a lot. And also, Carson Wentz plays a huge role in this decision. You know, we're hearing all over the place that Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman entered these interviews with the mindset of, hey, Carson Wentz better be at the top of your list of things to get accomplished. You better fix Carson Wentz because we're rocking and rolling with him. And ultimately, I think that's one of the reasons why Deuce Staley was not the end result, which is a shame because I don't know if the best idea in the world is you have to find a head coach just based off the quarterback. It might work out in their favor, and they did put themselves in this position because of the financial issues and the contract, but realistically, it would be stupid. It would be such a flawed way to approach interviews if you ruled out everyone that wanted to go with Jalen Hurts because you could be passing up on a very strong mind and a very great schematic coach that leads men because, well, Carson Wentz. Even though I think the best thing for this franchise is figuring out how to get Carson Wentz to bounce back, going into interviews, I think the smartest thing would be have an open mind. Talk about things. 
Have some dialogue. Hear, hear the other guys out. Oh, so you think Jalen Hurts is the answer? Why is that? You know, Deuce, apparently what's being reported is he thought the organization babied him way too much. He was done with it. But what if Deuce Staley was the guy? And I'm not claiming that I absolutely think he is because, well, it wasn't like he was calling plays. And if he's the head coach, are you going to get a, a, an offensive coordinator in here? You're going to have to find the perfect match. And I'm not saying I would have been against that. I would have been fine with Deuce. But there's a lot to unpack here at the end of the day, right? There's so much information and there's so many questions. The Deuce thing is is really intriguing in terms of discussion because there were a lot of players very vocal about him becoming the guy. And I would imagine that the professionalism of these players, they're not just going to say, you know what, I don't want to work hard for Nick Sirianni just because Deuce wasn't hired. I would imagine the professionalism comes in. There was a point where Doug Peterson got hired, and I'm sure there were some going, who's this clown? And then by year one, year two, year three, year four they were ready to die on the hill and they loved everything he brought to the table so why judge him just because he's not another head coach I can't imagine that happening I'd be baffled although with the way this country is right now and how divided it is sometimes people don't give the other chance a time of day so we'll see By the way, we are broadcasting live from the Manscaped Man Cave. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BROD at manscaped.com. You have to check out their Lawnmower 3.0. It's the best razor on the market. Their Weed Whacker. It's their ear and nose hair trimmer. It's so smooth. They have anti-chafing boxers, ball deodorant, ball toner. I use all of these products, and it is outstanding. You want to make sure that below the belt is crisp and clean, and it absolutely impacts what happens happens in the bedroom with the significant other. So once again, promo code BROD at manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping. All right, so I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm intrigued. It's kind of funny to say this. You fire Doug Peterson to hire Doug's past ex- assistants. Assistant, that's what you did. Frank Reich was Doug Peterson's assistant. You hired his assistant. Isn't that so wonky? Doug Peterson wins a Super Bowl. Yeah, let's hire Frank Reich's assistant. It, it's it's crazy. It really is, but it somewhat fits the mold of what we've been dealing with all season long. There's versatility involved. I think there's value in coaching multiple positions. Wide receiver, quarterback, being an offensive coordinator. Like, he went through the progress, and he jumped the positions, and he went up the totem pole, as you should, and he continued to progress as a learner, as a coach. And I think that means so much because, look, there's going to be a lot of issues throughout this team. They they admitted it. Doug Peterson wanted to win. We're not in win mode, so we need to kind of head in a different way, and we need to have, like, this different mentality heading into this season. Okay, well, there's going to be a lot of learning curves. It's not going to be instant success. There's going to have to be time for this coach to work on what he wants to do, work on his culture, work on his scheme, work on his message 
Well, he might peek his head into that quarterback room to talk to Carson Wentz, to talk to Jalen Hurts, to talk to everybody involved. He might peek his head into the wide receiver room and say, hey, you need to focus on this and that. And if you want to become a better player, hey, Jalen Rager, why don't we work on this and this? And maybe that will be the difference in some of the issues that you had in year one. And oh, by the way, maybe I'll scheme you open a little bit better than Doug Peterson too. Just throwing it out there. I'm sure he won't say that. That's just me speaking. I like the fact that he has this background of working with all these positions because, well, maybe that maybe that plays a role and impacts the way that he coaches and the way that he has his input in with, with some of these position, position coaches underneath. He's young, 39, not that much experience and zero experience in calling plays. What does this mean for his staff? Well, that's going to be the difference in how we all feel about the future identity of this franchise, right? Who's going to make those decisions? I would love to say he's going to have some input, but in reality, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Doug Peterson did not have that. They brought in Jim Schwartz, and it was more of like a, hey, this is what you're going to be working with. I would like to go down the road, though, of a veteran, experienced guy. I would like someone who has a track record of maybe being a, a, a head coach at one point. Not all head coaches succeed, right? But there's plenty of guys that don't work as a head coach, but they are very strong as a coordinator. I would love a veteran presence, older guy as an OC. A name that comes to mind is Jim Caldwell. Does it have to be Jim Caldwell? No, not at all. And there are some screaming for Deuce to be the OC, and this is where I have a problem with that. I could see Deuce as a head coach, and then in the same situation that I'm talking about now, having a veteran play caller like Jim Caldwell help out Deuce Staley. I don't want Deuce Staley, a guy who hasn't called plays and was a running backs coach, to be the play caller for a guy who's never called plays and is 39 years old. That just doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. So that goes right out the window in my eyes. I would like an experienced veteran guy to really help him and and to show him the ropes a little bit because it's definitely a big jump. Not that he can't handle it, but I think veteran guys are so important. I think Jeff Stoutland is so important. We heard rumors that he was going to be going to Alabama, and then you, you heard the news that Doug Marone was going to Alabama, and that brought back the conversation of him staying here. His presence is so important. His presence is so valued from a lot of players in this league, and he keeps it together. Not only that, look at this offensive line. While they had issues last year because they were so banged up and they had so many raw guys, he does a phenomenal job at grooming talent. We talk about Jack Driscoll as someone who can play on this line. The dude was drafted last year. Nate Herbig was an undrafted guy. Like, I understand that they were an issue last season, and it wasn't as if that they were this grade A offensive line with a ton of backups, but that makes a lot of sense that they weren't a grade A offensive line with a ton of backups. He does a great job, is my point. If you relate Jeff Stoutland and correlate that with the the failures of last year's offensive line, I don't think that tells the true story. And anyone who knows what he has done throughout his tenure here in Philadelphia would support my logic as well and absolutely see what I'm talking about. Defensively, what type of guy you going to bring in here? 
Now, once again, I would like a veteran who has control of the entire defense like Jim Schwartz did, but then I get a little concerned. This is where I question my thinking a bit. If you hire this 39-year-old head coach, right, and you bring in a old OC who's been around the block and an old defensive coordinator who's been around the block, what do you have there? What is that? You want to be progressive, right? You want to you want to be this new innovative scheme on both sides of the ball. Well, if you're starting to bring in these retreads, is that what you're getting? Because an example of a defensive coordinator I'd be intrigued by, Wade Phillips. And that is changing your defense completely. Now you're working with more of a 3-4 instead of a Jim Schwartz 4-3. Or how about a Marvin Lewis? And I know some hate that name. Oh, Cincinnati, you will lose all these wild card games. Who the hell succeeds in that division in Cincinnati? They won 10 games. They won 11 games. They were winning 10 games. I mean, you look through his stretch at one point and it, it was decent winning. Now, once again, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. You need to add context there. He was there for a long time. Now, he had poor seasons, but as a DC, I wouldn't be against it. But I am also questioning if bringing in old guys on both sides of the ball as coordinators with a 39-year-old head coach, is that somewhat deflating what the purpose is to, to get younger, to get innovative, to get new, to, to kind of live up with this new times of what you got? We all see the Sean McVays of the world somewhat taken over. LaFleur in Green Bay. This young style of coach is what people want, and that's the way it's trending. Well, you're kind of getting that way with defense as well. There's this new swag to the defense, a lot of disguises, a lot of energy. You got a lot of those safety linebacker combination guys, right? Like there's so much involved with this new version of football. Do you want to bring an older guy in here? And I don't mind one. Like I, like that's why I feel like I need to draw the line. I wouldn't mind if it's one experienced older guy, whether it's an OC, probably preferably, I don't know. See, here I am kind of going back and forth in my brain. To summarize though, like on one side of the ball, get me that experienced guy. I would kind of like it for the D.C. role because they're essentially the head coach of the defense. So bring someone that has some fight. Bring someone that has some energy to him. At the same time, I think that Sirianni is going to need some help. And I'm not going to lie, I have to look down at the damn paper to remember his name. That's how much of an out-of-the-box hire this is. And it doesn't even feel right coming out of my mouth. Nick Sirianni. The staff is such an important piece to the puzzle. But I kind of want to segue off of that a bit and get more into who he is and, and what they're saying about him specifically. They say he's got an edge to him. He's a little bit more of a fiery guy than Doug Peterson, but he still relates to his players that way. He has that player-friendly vibe, which is kind of what you need in today's era of football, right? You need that, hey, I'm a player's coach. You can come into my office any day of the week. I have an open-door policy. If you want to talk, hey, let's talk. Like, let's communicate. And that's big in this organization right now. Let's communicate. So it seems he gives off, you know, that type of, of message to the team, which I love. But he can turn the dial a bit more. You had the ice cream, G-golly type in Doug. This is more of a, hey, if things aren't working out, things aren't smooth, you're going to hear it from him. At the end of Doug Peterson's tenure, you heard a lot, specifically from Brandon Graham, about the practice habits and how it got sloppy and how that was translating to a lot of issues that occurred on the field. I don't think that Sirianni is going to be keeping up with, with that type of practice habits. 
You know, if things don't look so sharp, if things aren't going proper, he's going to blow that damn whistle and he's going to bring that fight. I don't know to what level, though. I don't know to what extent. But I like to hear that he has an edge. Because I think at some point, well, I don't think Doug lost the locker room. To be fair, Doug did not lose the locker room. They still loved playing for him and they played with with as, as much as they possibly had, right? So I don't think Doug lost his voice. But there is a difference in a guy that, you know, players might know will always be soft. And the players might know that there's never going to be that bite from the coach. And if if there's just a little bite, maybe it's just a, a nibble. Not a full bite, but just a nibble. That could be the difference in the intensity in certain moments, and that changes the focus level. But just like in any sport, you see this with Doc Rivers, you see this with Elaine Vigneault, you see this with Joe Girardi. New culture early on is such a different way when you go to the NovaCare complex, when you go to the building, when you go to practice, because you are now proving to a whole new regime, hey, I can play. This is what I can do. You got to prove your worth. So the, the 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 play and the determination and the motivation is at an all-time high from everyone. Everyone's surrounded with this sense of urgency because it's a totally different ballgame. And I like that considering this team is, is somewhat entering a new phase and a new era of football. This is somewhat of a rebuild, a retool. And it starts with Carson Wentz. Now, did this hire scream, hey, Carson Wentz, this is for you? Yeah, I wonder if Carson Wentz called Frank Reich and was like, hey, let me let me know about Sirianni. And Frank Reich hit him with, look, Carson, this is a good guy. You're going to love working with him. He might be tough on you. I was tough on you a bit. It's not going to be the same as Press Taylor, but it's all out of love. Because there were reports saying that Carson Wentz only trusts Frank Reich. He's the only guy in the league. And I thought that was kind of nonsense. As if with all these great coaches, you're telling me Frank Reich is the only coach Carson Wentz really values and really loves to work with? I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. I think it was a strong statement. But it's obvious that he had a relationship with Frank Reich and feels a certain way about him and his opinions. So when you think of it from that perspective, if he called Frank Reich and said, "Hey, let me know about him. Like, what are you telling? What are you telling him about me? What should you tell me about him? How do you think this would fit?" And if Frank Reich tells him everything he wants to hear, well, then guess what? Carson Wentz is going to give his nod and his approval. We haven't heard from Carson. The last thing we heard is, "I'm going to need some time." Well, he didn't even really say this. This was all coming out through the media, but it was stated that Carson Wentz needs some time to think about things before he makes his decision. Well, it seems that this move would put Carson Wentz in the decision of coming back and giving it a new, fresh set of eyes. But I also wonder, even if it's a minor, minor, tiny, super small possibility, what if he comes back and goes, "Uh uh-uh, nope, I'm just done with this city. I'm not feeling it. The pressure's too much. The media is gross. It's writing brutal stories because there's a lot of stories out there that's just wrong, wrong information, and making Carson Wentz be this guy that he might not be. There's truth to these stories, but we can all agree that the way media really picks at him, it it takes it to an extreme, and some can handle it, some can't handle it. Some of it is too aggressive, some of it is unfair, but some of it is fair as well. I just wonder what happens if he's still not satisfied and he goes in there and goes, I still want to be traded, I don't want to play in Philadelphia. If there's anyone that feels 
like that's possible. And then, oh, well, that means the hire was a total failure. Who's to say the only way this guy, Nick Sirianni, can be a successful coach is if Carson Wentz is in play? I don't think that's the case at all. I don't look at Nick Sirianni as a guy who can fix Carson Wentz and only fix Carson Wentz, and other than that, he has no value. I'm sure he can do a great job with Jalen Hurts. I'm sure he can do a great job with other quarterbacks as well. But what does this mean for Jalen Hurts? How are you going to utilize Jalen Hurts? Is this a situation where you now have to use him as a gadget? As if when he went into this meeting and they wowed the front office, Was it because he said, look, I have a system ready to rock and roll in my mind for Jalen Hurts? Do you see how Taysom Hill's used? Do you see what Drew Brees did? Do you see how Sean Payton works with that offense? Do you see how, you know, just utilizing him in certain areas is so damn effective? I know what your vision was when you elected him. I know what happened when you selected him. I saw the outrage. I have this great plan. They were clearly wowed because there was no reason to jump on him, snap of your fingers. No one was seriously, and by the way, there was only one other place available, and that's the Houston Texans, and I promise you, they weren't seriously reaching for Nick Siriano. Nick Sirianni, see, here we go again. They, they weren't going out of their way. I need to go get this guy. So why did it have to happen now? Why not interview Eric Bieniemy? And I just wonder if Andy Reid pulled Eric Bieniemy aside and went, Yo, no, 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 because I'm hearing from a bunch of people that I'm speaking to, and it's not breaking news here, but there's a lot of people that do not like Howie Roseman, despise Howie Roseman, and I think there's a correlation between Sean McDermott and Dable staying in Buffalo, because remember, Sean McDermott was here, and it didn't end very smooth. And Andy Reid and the enemy. Like these guys who are looked upon as being the next future head coaches in this league, for them to stay put and to not be all in on like this Eagles hire, there's definitely a correlation between who their head coaches are now, their relationship with this organization, and them staying put. They're probably not saying great things. But with the Eagles, like there's still other guys to hire to jump on them like that. I thought it was a little odd. But that's where I tie Biennemi and Andy Reid having a conversation behind closed doors going, maybe you shouldn't head in that direction. Because what do you have to lose if you waited? I'm telling you, the Houston Texans were not jumping, ready to go, ready to just pick Nick Sirianni off the streets and steal them from the seven from the 76ers, from the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't even know what sport this guy plays. I think he's a power forward. Can he play point guard? Can he play uh, Ben Simmons' position? Can we move Ben Simmons to the bench? I didn't have to do that. Come on, bros. You're better than that. You're right. You're right. How about I tell you about my friends over at DraftKings right now? Okay, I will. DraftKings has this awesome deal going. The return we've all been waiting for is finally here. UFC's most notorious icon is stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. Be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. For a shot to turn $1 into $257. That's right. New users can bet $1 on McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. And if he does, you'll be cashing in $257. Bet a little, win a lot. It's that simple. While we're all excited for this weekend's premier UFC fight, let's not forget football is in the midst of their playoffs. So head to the app to check out all their great playoff promotions. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now 
now and use promo code BROGE when you sign up to turn $1 into $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code BROGE for new players to get $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Partnership with Metters Racetrack and Casino. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, we had Sal Pal Antonio on the Sports Bash today breaking down the news, and he mentioned John Dorsey. And he really did throw out there that, hey, you know, this could have been a John Dorsey move based off of, you know, just John Dorsey stepping in and Howie Roseman's role and, you know, he's being a consultant up there in the front office. He kind of alluded to, hey, maybe this is being more of a John Dorsey thing. Look, I, I don't know what to do with that information. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it isn't. I just wonder this power struggle that we all speak about that they had last season, what does this move mean for that? Is it still there? Is it not there because Doug Peterson was that problem to them? I'm not saying uh, totally. I'm saying to to the Eagles front office and to Jeffrey Lurie, the way they view it. Did they view it as, we got to get Doug Peterson out of here. He wants too much power. He wants too much say. He's trying to control things. No, no, no. I'm not having that. Let's get a younger guy in here. And they think just getting a younger guy in here fixes that power struggle that we have alluded to all season long. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But I, I do wonder about this John Dorsey and Howie Roseman dynamic and what's Howie Roseman going to do? Did he lose any say and any voice on draft night and personnel decisions? Are they trying to maneuver John Dorsey in there a little bit more, a little bit heavier? Because he has made good decisions. Pat Mahomes, one of the reasons why Pat Mahomes was in Kansas City is because of John Dorsey. Baker Mayfield, although he's limited, what the Browns are doing right now is a huge, huge say, and is a uh, it's a huge, def- I guess I should say, one of the reasons why the Cleveland Browns are having so much success and their roster that's put together right now is because of of John Dorsey. That's kind of what I'm trying to get out here. Nick Sirianni, though, never called plays. Never called plays. So what are we uh, supposed to expect? Now, apparently, Frank Reich is, is claiming he was big on game planning. And when you look at their scripted plays with the Colts, they were strong. They were successful. And if he was a part of that, hopefully that transitions to something he does here, which is these scripted plays early on. There's rhythm, there's flow. I also wonder, though, how much of this is Frank Reich trying to start his own tree. Part of being such a successful coach is being able to move guys on. Now, for Bill Belichick, there's so many question marks based off of his style and the way he does things, but he's the outlier. You think about Andy Reid, everyone wants to pluck off the Andy Reid tree. Well, with Frank Reich... Think about it. You know, is this the start of that for him? So is he going to speak highly of him in a different way? Not not as if any coach throws anyone under the bus. He obviously speaks highly of him. There was a, a video surfacing on Twitter. I think John Clark had the video of Frank Reich speaking about Nick Sirianni. I'm going to do that a billion times. Nick Sirianni 
and and talking about how like I want this guy to be my offensive coordinator. I want this guy and talk so highly about him. All these guys are going to, but I I, I value that he was bringing him around and. He was always under Frank Reich. There's clearly this relationship between the two, and I think Frank Reich is a smart mind. He's only going to keep smart guys around him. But building your tree is important. It it gives you a better look. It makes you look like a better coach if you can have all these coaches succeed after they leave you. So how much of this is Frank Reich ready to make a statement going, yeah, I can do this, yeah. You talk about the Andy Reid tree, let's start talking about the Frank Reich tree. Saying his name, though, it's so weird to me. I'm just not ready yet. I want to dig into um, some of his spots and where he was previously. So, he was a defensive backs coach in Mountain Union. This is really throwing it back to 2004. Wide receiver coach in IUP. Then you get to... The NFL. In 2009, he was the offensive quality control coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Then he was the assisting quarterbacks coach, the offensive quality control coach in 2011. So he went from a quality control coach to quarterbacks coach to quality control coach again. Then he was the wide receivers coach. He went to San Diego. He was the offensive quality control coach. Then he went to the quarterbacks coach in San Diego. Then he was the wide receiver coach with the Chargers. Then he bounced to the offensive coordinator with the Indianapolis Colts. Here's an interesting way to look at things. He worked with Andrew Luck. He worked with Phillip Rivers, and he worked with Come on, get it to me. Brissett. Three different quarterbacks, three different styles, and it seemed like the offense was built around them. Now, did they have insane, unbelievable results with all of these guys? No, I can't make it seem like they were just flat-out unstoppable and lethal, but I think you can look at that and, and at least have some optimism that he can build a successful style based off of personnel. It doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter what. Let's look at the talent. Let's look at what you have, and let's build our scheme based off of that. That shows me that you can adapt based off of personnel, and I really hope that plays into fruition here when we talk about the run game because Doug Peterson flat out did not utilize the run. In Indianapolis, you had Marlon Mack. You had Jonathan Taylor, which was a fun story, so you had these two backs, which is a lot different than Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, but at the same time, you know, you're Miles Sanders, damn it. You got Miles Sanders who can be an explosive player, and we all know that he's a home run hitter. So I just, I look at the fact that he had different weapons, and he had different guys each year, and he was able to, you know, kind of build different flow based off of that, and looking at what you have here in Philadelphia, whether it's Wentz, whether it's Hurts, whether it's Sanders, whether it's Rager, like, I'm just, I'm looking at your players and, and who you have on your roster, can he build a mold and, and can he form something successful based off of looking at his track record and go, well, he's he's had different unique styles before. It's not like Andrew Luck replicates Phil Rivers and it's not like Phil Rivers replicates Brissett. They're all different. They all got their own style of play. So it was built based off of that. That's what I love. There's videos of him. I mentioned Frank Reich. There's videos of him mic'd up. And he's looking around practice, talking to the guys. Like, he's got that that swag, that relationship, that cool, you know, mentality with the players. But I also like the technique of, you know, how, how he's approaching them and how he's keeping it loose, yet 
you're teaching them something significant in the moment as well. It's a loose style, but I mentioned that edge. I didn't see too much of the edge in the video. It was a very short clip of him being mic'd up, but I think that shows you the player-friendly side. I'm sure there'll be the moments where you can nitpick and go, oh, right there. That's the edge we were talking about. That's that, that switch that we all anticipated at the time of the hire. You'll see it in moments. If it's in there, of course, that is. If it's in there, you will see it at moments. Am I afraid that they got the puppet? Sure, I'm, I'm afraid that they got the puppet, but, you know, I, I think that cautiously optimistic is a good way to kind of describe the right feeling, at least in my opinion. I think the right feeling is cautiously optimistic. Now, Jeff McClain got some insight from somebody who is in the NFL, and I'll, I'll read you the quote. Now, keep in mind Jeff McClain's agenda. I don't know if I've ever seen Jeff McClain write something positive about the Philadelphia Eagles. I actually want to go back to the night they won the Super Bowl, and I want to read his piece to see how he destroyed everybody involved in the organization because that's all he ever does. So take this with a grain of salt. But I bring this up because, like, I'm not saying beat reporters are bashing the hire. I think that there's some question marks surrounding it because uh, just as I've been alluding to, no one really knows. You have no clue. You don't really have much to base this off of. What I just told you about the three quarterbacks and all, like, yeah, like I'm reaching a little bit, but you have to reach because he has no history of calling plays. He has no history of being a head coach. He doesn't have that much of a history. That doesn't mean it's automatically a bad hire, but we don't know what to base this off of. So right now it's a lot of question marks. There's there's some intrigue, but here's Jeff McLean who said, from an NFL source familiar with Sirianni's credentials as a head coach, good guy, solid candidate, fairly smart, but not super smart. Concern is he is likely to top out at a B-level coach for a team that's in the mix to make the playoffs, but not a real Super Bowl chance. Low drama, even keel. Now, keep in mind, this is from an NFL source familiar with Sirianni's credentials as a head coach. To me, what is that, what is that saying? His credentials as a head coach, no one knows. So this guy familiar with it is anyone familiar with it? That's where I have an issue with the quote. That's him trying to stir the pot. And I like Jeff McClain because he's willing to talk the sources and all, but he has his agenda. He keeps it one way. We had Rob Motti on the Sports Bash, and he said this perfectly, and I heard Mikey Miss say the same thing with his journalistic view because we all know he's had a, a journalistic background. Jeff McClain's piece about Carson Wentz, hit piece. It was targeted towards one direction. If you wanted to counter that piece with sources inside the locker room saying the complete opposite, with coaches in the locker room saying the complete opposite, with with ex-players, with scouts, with anyone surrounding the organization and knowing Carson Wentz, you can find a story that would write the complete opposite of what Jeff McClain put out the other week about how he's uncoachable and a pissing match and this and that. And a good journalist, like, if, if you would put that out, I'm not saying Jeff McClain's a bad journalist, but when, when you put that in through the editor, you need to have that counterbalance. That's big. Okay, you have this side. What in this story is giving you the other side? I don't know how that hit piece got through, but that's where journalism really changed nowadays. You don't really have that counterbalance anymore based off of the way it's about the hits, it's about the clicks, it's about social media. So it doesn't have that same path it needs to go through before something gets published. 
With this, it's sort of the same thing. All right, so your NFL source familiar with Sirianni says that, eh, you know, B-level, not so much a Super Bowl coach. Well, I bet you you can find a guy that says the complete opposite because no one's familiar with who this head coach is going to be. That's where it bothers me. I like that Jeff McClain's willing to go out there and, and write some opinionated stuff that could be a little bit brutal and then target some guys. But at the same time, I think he goes overboard, and you need to realize that with a lot of the stuff you read from him. All right, I'm trying to see here if I missed out on anything I, I kind of wanted to specifically touch on today. Look, it's it's very raw. It's very new. We're still all learning, so we're going to continue to discuss this topic. I have the Anytime Hotline, which blew up with a ton of reactions. I wanted to just discuss it myself first. I'll react to your reactions in a future podcast. If you haven't had the opportunity to leave your thoughts, the phone number is 856-442-9805. You can call in now and, and throughout until I, I make that podcast, so get your phone calls in. I can't wait to hear. But yeah, like we're we're all just kind of studying this and, and digging deep and trying to find some research on, on what we can learn from who Nick Sirianni is. I don't know when it's going to get normal to say that name because it's definitely not now. McDaniels. I, I guess I'll touch on this before we end the show. Uh, first, let's hear a word from Orbit Energy and Power. With over 20 years of experience in the industry, Orbit Energy and Power is home to your solar experts in residential and commercial projects. They are dedicated to making sure your project is completed easily and properly by using high-quality materials and trained professionals to get the job done right. They even take care of all the permitting and fees right there in the office. Their solar program eliminates your electric bill completely. They also provide water purification, backup energy services, battery storage, and more. Check out their information. It's all down below. When it comes to McDaniels, I think the power that we all talked about with the struggle, I think that played a role, right? I mean, his background had some iffy moments, whether it was backing out of Indianapolis, whether it was what happened with Denver, where he essentially had to get escorted out of the damn organization and out of the building. It got brutal. So there were a lot of red flags, and his personality is arrogant. Did that scare away these guys? Like, there was that report that Howie Roseman had to had to get Jeffrey Lurie on this, and he wanted him because, oh, Howie's okay with giving up power. The more and more I speak to people about that, that is your typical Novacare complex leaking stories. That's a Howie Roseman leak is what it is. It's not true. It's Howie Roseman trying to sell because he is very well aware of how people view him, and he hates it. He does not like that people destroy him and ridicule him. That was a standard leak from the front office to the media of, oh, you know what? Howie's okay with giving up power to Josh McDaniels. He just has to sell Lori. He's okay with it because he's not someone that needs it. You think we're buying that bullshit? You think we're getting... Mind screwed here. No, no, no. We're smarter than that, Howie. We know how you work. All right? When you start talking to people who cover this team, it is very well known that Howie likes to leak stuff so it doesn't look as bad. Oh, you're telling me the moment Doug Peterson gets fired, he was the one that wanted Jalen Rager, but but Justin Jefferson was what Howie Roseman wanted. Yet we all know that the voice of Doug Peterson was so small that he actually left because of it. He walked out of Lori's meeting happily canned because he didn't have a damn say. Yet all of a sudden, the moment that Doug's fired, you know who Howie wanted that night? Justin Jefferson. It's full of crap. It really is. It's not fooling anyone. 
So thank you guys all so much for listening. Way more on this topic as the weekend continues, as the week continues. I can't wait to learn more about him. Intrigued, for sure. Intrigued. Cautiously optimistic, though. Can't wait to see how this staff shapes up. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you next time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.